Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Careful making wishes in the This is Brandon Marsh, the Los Angeles Angels and 66ers baseball. This is Joe Adele here with the Los Angeles Angels. I'm Sorry, Hunter Jr. You're listening to the Old Angels Podcast. What is going on, Angel fans? This is Down Garcia with another edition of the All Angels Podcast. And on this podcast, I am uh, I feel special to be joined by the host of the Big League Chewing Podcast, as Mike Brown. How are you doing today? What's up, Daniel? I'm very good. Uh, hanging in there. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I've been on your show a couple times, so I, I and I, I love the conversations we've had. So I figured this would be a great time to have you on. And it's just as we started planning this, you know, the the negotiations started going on, and then the uh, agreement or you know the mandated mandated like a schedule came out and all that stuff. So um, it all worked out. I think uh, the time the timing worked out really really well to have you on. I know it's like a super perfect time to talk baseball, especially now that the season's, uh, you know, 2020 season is going to officially try to get underway. So happy to be here. Awesome. So I want to kind of start with you. Like, how are you been doing since this whole COVID shutdown and, and the quarantine? How have you been? How have you and your family been? Uh, we've been good. So my fiance and I, we live in uh, Portland, Oregon. Um, and fortunately, the outbreak hasn't been like as bad in, in Oregon. Um but saying that, uh, I know that the Portland area did try to enter phase one like last week and they had to stop it because of, um, I guess, elevated um, reports uh, or elevated testing of COVID. More people were getting it, starting to get it. So, I, you know, I'm kind of over it. I'm just like everybody else. I'm pretty over it. Um, you know, it's kind of hard to tell like when things are going to be open or what's like, you know, certain things will be open, but certain other things won't be open. Um, you know, I went to a restaurant the other day and it's like people were sitting down on, on, in like tables and chairs and kind of like spaced out, but then like other places aren't open. Um, I was actually able to get a haircut like three weeks ago. So that was really crucial. That was pretty (laughs) cool. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's been rough, man, but I'm just, I'm, uh, and it sucks because it seems like, you know, cases are spiking and it seems like we're going through this all over again. Um, but fortunately, yeah, in Oregon, um, it hasn't been too bad, but, um, you know, we're still definitely wearing masks and trying to obey social distancing. Um, so yeah, but can't, can't complain too much. So that's good. That's really good to hear. So, um, I kind of want, the first thing I wanted to ask you too, was when the initial shutdown happened for major league baseball, um, what was your reaction then? Like, did you t- think it was something serious? Did you think it was something that might have just kind of would have just blown over eventually? Or did you think it was going to be shut down for the period that it has been? Yeah, I. so, uh, you know, most of us, I think, 
saw the NBA shut down and the whole Mark Cuban freak out when he got the text that the NBA was postponing its season. And, and that was kind of the first uh, sport, I believe, at least in America, that um, ended up having to postpone the season. Um, and then after that, the dominoes started to fall and spring training was canceled. And at first it was kind of trickling out that like, okay, well, the players are going to, some players are going to stick around for a little bit, you know, at at the spring training camps and just just kind of wait it out. And I thought that, okay, maybe, um, maybe this won't be too bad. Maybe, you know, in four weeks, five weeks, they'll be able to re-enter the spring training facilities and kind of get this back underway. Um, And I remember being pretty optimistic until about, I would say like maybe May, middle of May when, um, you know, okay, the season should have started a month ago and there's nothing. And now the talks between the players and the um, and MLB and the owners are kind of really strained. But yeah, I, I didn't think um, I didn't think it would it would be this long. Um, you know, I, with this whole COVID scenario. I think it's breaking a lot of people's expectations. Yeah. I don't think I don't think anybody thought that this would drag on like this. Um, so it's kind of caught everyone by surprise. Um, but yeah, it, it sucks. I mean, I was hoping by now that they would have been back, um, but it seems like we have some progress on, on that front. But yeah, I, I, I didn't see it. I didn't see it taking this long to get back to to anything like that. Because I mean, if the players, if, if the word originally was that okay, that some of the players can stay at some of the facilities and work and continue to work out i was like okay well maybe they're just going to take it easy be cautious and then be back at it but that that didn't happen so yeah i think that was kind of our deal too was we kind of thought okay well as long as the guys stay in um tempe and and maybe okay maybe the stream training games are just kind of you know inner squad they don't really kind of play against other teams you know they were probably a good possibility they would start somewhere, you know, late April or, you know, early May right. kind of deal. And that was kind of the expectation. But then, as obviously right. you see the numbers and numbers keep on climbing and, and, and stuff starts shutting down, not just leagues, but, you know, whole cities and towns and, and states for that yep. matter. Then I, I think that's when it hit, like, you know, this is going to take a bit. Like, it's not going to be a quick four or five weeks. It's going to, um, you're going to be put in the, and something, you're going to put this on hold for, you know, a, a real long period of time. So, you know, with this big void in baseball, and I don't know about you, but, you know, with me, it's kind of like I make my day schedule kind of around baseball games. Um, you know, come home from work, eat, you know, take a shower, do what I have to do, relax, seven o'clock comes and boom, the game's on. And I'm pretty much locked in there until the game's over. And then because the t- <laughs> the game goes about, you know, three, three and a half hours. It's usually for me a time to go to sleep after that. But there's none of that right now for base with baseball. So how have you been getting right. baseball? Um, how you've been watching it? How you've been getting, like, you know, your fix of, of that sport right now? Um, yeah, it's, it's been tough. I know originally, um, I did play MLB the show for a little bit. I did pick that up and, and try playing for a little bit. Um, and, and that kind of lasted for a little while, but eventually then I shifted over to KBO and tried to watch some of their games uh, on Twitch. I know they were like live streaming a lot of their games at one point and I would kind of just like casually watch it in bed as I was kind of falling asleep. Um, but yeah, it wasn't. The level of play there is like I guess it's somewhere between like double A and triple A they say or maybe even yeah I mean it's yeah not, yeah it's, it's not kind probably of, uh, uh, I think I saw someone post it was like a, a double A and a half baseball kind of deal 
Yeah, yeah. And it's funny, you see a lot of the guys, um, I think it was uh, Straley, um, who used to pitch for the uh, the A's and the Cubs. I think he, there was one game where I was watching where he was pitching, and he was like mowing down guys. He struck out like six guys in a row. But, yeah, and I think he's um, still like top five in strikeouts in the league for for this year. I think I saw something or heard something like that too. So that, no, that makes a great point. Yeah, yeah. It's so it's crazy. It's like guys that might not make a roster spot here kind of go to the KBO and kind of dominate. So that kind of shows you the level of, of play there. So that kind of, I know a lot of like baseball YouTubers and baseball podcasters were like, man, KBO is so great. Like this is my team. That's my team. I didn't really get into it just cause like the level of play is like, it's not, it's not that exciting to watch to be, to be honest. Um, and then, so, yeah. So after that, since then I basically just been trying to, um, you know, discover more baseball podcasts um, watch, you know, various, uh, baseball YouTubers, just trying to get my, my, my baseball content that way. Um, and, and really try to just kind of, um, lay low, I guess, and just really hope, you know, I, I basically just been clinging to Twitter, baseball Twitter every day, just kind of hoping for a statement or an agreement or whatever it may be. And that's kind of, that's literally like been my baseball life for the last like month. It's basically just checking baseball Twitter every day. Trying, yeah. to, trying to keep up with everything that's going on. And you know that's really interesting too about the whole baseball Twitter because there are so many reporters out there, and and you know obviously the vast majority of them are really credible. Whether you get them from like you know MLB Network, ESPN, um, Fox, but are you the type of person where you see something pop up on it, it could be so and so's in close negotiations, and even even away from what you know the players and, and owners, but even free agency stuff? Are you the kind of guy that 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 see something and you're like oh that's great or do you do you kind of wait to maybe like three or four other guys kind of um report it also or are you always trying to find the very first one yeah it, it depends usually um you know i have like the main guys kind of in my feed whether but the, the main kind of um journalists on the sport where whether it's like uh jeff passan um uh, Ken Rosenthal, John Heyman's been getting a lot of crap lately, but generally those guys, I try to see if like they're all kind of aligning on something, and if they're all aligning on something, then I know that it's right. But sometimes you'll get like Bob Nightingale or somebody else be like, "Oh, I heard this is like close to happening," but but then I'll go check and see if like Jeff Passan has said anything or like Ken Rosenthal, and if they hadn't haven't said anything about it, I'll kind of wait and be like, mm, "This doesn't seem this seems kind of iffy right now." Um, and, and yeah, I, I mean, anything that isn't like a verified account, I I try to kind of like watch out for because I've been trolled so many times by like <laughs> accounts that like pretend to be like either Jeff Passan or pretend like- to be like. They have yeah. like one letter changed, and then that's. And you, and, but you read it so fast, you can't. You can't. You don't. You don't tell. And next thing you know, you're like, "Oh crap! They got me on this one." Yeah, yeah. I just freak out for like two seconds, and I'm like, "Oh my god! They totally, they totally trolled me." But um, yeah, so I, I try to kind of verify and make sure that what's being said is is accurate. Um, but sometimes it's sometimes it's kind of hard to do that. But yeah, I mean that's that's kind of how I how I get my information. It's funny, kind of before I got into like baseball Twitter and stuff a couple of years ago, I would literally just watch like MLB network. And like, I find myself going like further and further away from MLB network, especially since the, the, the shutdown, I feel like I don't really watch too much of their content anymore, but MLB network was like my go-to, like when I was working from home, like I literally have it on in the background, like all day. And it's weird. Like I find myself like kind of moving a little further and further away from it, mainly because I kind of find MLB work network now. And it's like, they're playing like uh, a World Series game from like 2010 or like a World Series game from like 1979. It's like I can only watch so much of that stuff before I just get kind of bored. 
Yeah, and one thing too with not only MLB Network, but I think ESPN is like kind of depending who they have on there as far as like ex players and stuff like that. Like, like I think one of the things that, or one of the people that kind of stood out to me was like Mark Desher and how he came to talk about these negotiations and how he thinks players should just kind of eat it and, and, and just go out there and play. Do you ever look at like, like with me, I'm like, well, of course to wants them out there and play. He works for ESPN. He's calling games like that. His job depends right. on it. Do you ever look at it? Like, well, what's the, they're, they want this to have like MLB network wants this because it helps them out. So of course they're going to push it more. Like people say all the time with, um, you know, the Sox and Yankees, like, of course they want to push that because that more people watch yeah. it and, and, and it makes them more money. Do you ever find yourself looking at like, you know what, what is the kind of the, the reason behind this and kind of am skeptical of, of this or that? Yeah, I mean, definitely more more so in recent years. I mean, I've, I mean, ever since I was, you know, like I've been watching like Sports Center and ESPN since I was like ten years old, and like literally, like I mean, going back like twenty years now, you know, even more. It's like they've they've made like a uh, an effort to like cover the Red Sox Yankees just because they know that that's the that's the uh, you know that's where their their demographic is. You know, obviously ESPN is also based in New England, so they're going to cover the New England teams. You know, more more so even though they try to say that they, they cover other teams but um yeah i mean the, the, you know every every network like that mlb network espn whatever they have their biases um and just because you know they they're an employee of the sport um they're it's in their best interest that the sport get back to business that things are rolling that there's going to be a 2020 season you know this is all kind of within their best interest so um, it would make sense for someone like Teixeira to say, yeah, like, you know, oh, the players need to chill or A-Rod, I think. Even yeah, A-Rod out. was like, one of them, you yeah. Know, you know, you need to do what's good for the people and stuff like this. And it's just like, they, you know, they have a point to a certain extent. But at the same time, it's like, you know, they're so disconnected from the game because, A, they're not playing anymore. B, you know, A-Rod is like, you know, makes money off of many things other than just baseball now. <laughs> so, you know, a lot of these players, like, this is their paycheck, you know. This is what they, you know, this is their earning. This is their living, you know, and, and they need to play to make money. Um, so, you know, A-Rod and, the, and these ex-players that kind of chime in every once in a while, you know, they all have their motives. They all have their ideas about it. You know, a lot of older players, too, are chiming in on Twitter uh, I noticed like Kurt Schilling is like always somebody on Twitter that's like kind of mouth. He's always kind of mouthing off about something and like complaining that like, you know, you always get these older players like that have maybe been out of the league for 10 years being like, oh, the players of today are destroying the union. They're like completely wrecking the union. They don't know what they're doing. Um, and it's just like, you know, you can have your opinion, but at the same time, you're totally disconnected from what, you know, the game today, what's going on. Um, you know, the, the, the union is in the hands of the players that are around now, you know, it's not, it's none of their kind of, um, it's not their, it's not their battle anymore. So, so, you know, obviously the players and owners get into this negotiation and there was some kind of an agreement and it's kind of funny that people call it an agreement, but it seems like even to this, to this day, um, the owners and players don't really know what they agreed upon in March, but, um, they kind of have that agreement set up and now they kind of get into more of a, a bigger discussion about how they want to run the game uh this season and so obviously uh you saw through twitter through you know however people you know get their information the the back and forth when the initial back and forth started and 
you saw the players that wanted, you know, full prorated and they wanted, you know, I, I believe like a hundred and something games to begin with. And the owners were c- trying to cut it back, cut down their prorated. I think, you know, there was even like a sliding scale at one point at the, that first initial part where they started negotiating. How did you feel? Like, did you find yourself on a side, whether it be a pro player or pro ownership at all? Yeah, I think I think initially, I think when I had you on my podcast about a month ago, we were talking about this and I was like, you know, I don't really know which side to pick. It seems like both sides, are, you know, seem to have reasonable asks. But as the as this kind of went on and got uglier and uglier, I just started to side more and more with the players. Um, you know, uh, these are these owners are kind of like, you know, they, they run they, they operate in kind of like a billion dollar business. Um, and, you know, uh, to be. It's one thing for the players to ask for a prorated salary over 100 games or whatever it is. That's totally fine. But then for the owners to like say, no, we're going to take like a percentage of the prorated. It's like, okay, that that's that seems extremely unfair, um, extremely kind of short-sighted. Um, you know, these teams make so much money every year, um, and uh, yeah, the more this kind of the more these deliberations kind of went on and on the more I started siding with the players. Um, recently, I was kind of just, recently I've been kind of more upset with both sides. I'm like, guys, like, come on. Like, um, you know, uh, in, in, on one side, the players recently were saying when and where, but then when it came down to it, there wasn't really, they were kind of rejecting kind of right. initial kind of proposals because they wanted to play more games. On the other hand, the only kind of thing that I really kind of side with the um, the commissioner and the owners with is that the season it'd be really hard to do like an eighty game season starting in Jan- in July just because of the threat of COVID nineteen coming back again. So I think that was kind of the thing that Manfred really wanted to control was that to make sure there's no playoff games in like November or December just because that's kind of when experts are expecting COVID to kind of really come back again. So that's basically the one thing that I've kind of sided on them with, with the owners with and with the commissioner is that um, the, the kind of the safety protocols and why we can't really have an extended season. Um, but I'm glad that now they've come to an agreement with um, the, the full prorated 60 games, um, the universal DH and everything that comes along with it. But yeah, it got ugly for a while. Um, you know, Manfred was ugly, was, was extremely ugly at one point. <laughs> kind of basically uh, kind of going back on his word that there was going to be unequivocally a, a hundred, uh, sorry, a hundred percent. He was a hundred percent sure that sure. there was going to be a season. And then he went on like sports center the next day or something. It was yeah, like, you know, I'm not later. really sure now. Yeah. yeah. Basically to kind of try to leverage some sort of, um, you know, bargaining power or whatever. It's just really, really just kind of Bush league activity from on, on his part. Um, and the, the thing that's scary is that there's a CBA negotiation right, coming up right. in 2021 and this this doesn't look good. You know, I don't think really, you know, yeah, we're getting an MLB season, but nothing was resolved. And I think the only way we reach some sort of resolution is if we get, um, you know, le- a change of leadership, whether it's the commissioner, a different commissioner and a different um, union leader in, in Tony Clark. Because, uh, you know, it's it's obvious that Tony Clark and uh, and Manfred don't get along at all. So I think. It's going to get worse. It's going to get a lot worse before it gets better. But at least we have baseball now. I guess it's it's kind of a no. Weird, you're right. Yeah, it's it's a band. It's definitely a bandaid over a, a huge uh, cut 
a huge wound right now that's going to be the end of the 2021 season and and i like that idea because that's actually an idea i've heard kind of bounce around a little bit as far as getting different representation in that in that room other than manfred and clark not necessarily stripping their tile not necessarily firing them but getting other guys in the building in the office with them with them too and, and not letting those guys manfred and clark be the 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 predominant speaker in the in in the negotiations like they they can be there and kind of like hear it but they don't get the final say they don't get the negotiation part of it and because it just seems like those two guys for whatever reason you know you always hear the saying it's business it's not personal but it seems like those guys really right. did start taking stuff personal and oh, yeah. and it didn't matter what kind of business you're in you can't do it that way and so the good thing, I guess, I will say about with this season coming up is that it gives time for the because you are never going to get that change of of uh, negotiation uh, now. Like there's that, that's that's going to take too long of a process. But now that you have this season and you know probably next season to kind of get those other voices in the room, I think that will probably be the best will be the best uh, uh, option for the players and the owners just to try to get something longer past the 2021 season because yeah you're right that's going to be a real crazy time and that's going to be a real crazy uh, negotiation because you're, you you nailed it on the head they didn't really resolve anything you know they didn't come to any kind of agreement that they knew that the the Manfred had the power to make a schedule he made a schedule and they're going to show up so um right and to me it, it's just it, it's, it's hard for baseball to kind of um i don't know when when the games do start it's gonna, i think it's still going to be kind of awkward you know what I mean? Like this is going to be kind of like a thing, the elf in the room that, you know, how's it going to be in the locker room where maybe guys in the locker room wanted to start earlier. Maybe guys wanted to start, you know, was fine with one of the, one of those other proposals out there. And now they're not getting paid because I know a big part of it was salary forgiveness. Like some of these guys got right. their, got their, um, you know, one spring train closed a lot. Of, I think everyone got some kind of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? An advance on, on their yearly, uh, salary to kind of hold them over, but now that the season's starting, because of that advance, some of these guys aren't getting, you know, they already kind of got the money ahead of time, so they're not really getting paid a whole lot to play the rest of the year. So I know there might be some kind of division in certain locker rooms. So I think that's going to be a real interesting thing to see as the year plays out. If if that team chemistry thing leaks over into the field at some point, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's going to be kind of loyalty issues, maybe you know, um, and it's it's going to be it's going to be interesting. Um, you know, the other thing that I worry about, too, is like, you know, uh, I guess players are allowed to kind of opt out of the season if they want to, like, especially if they have health concerns. Someone like Carlos Carrasco, exactly, uh, yep. pitcher, for, pitcher for the Indians, um, I think he has leukemia. Or just came back and, from it, yeah. Yeah, I think he just came came back from the, the, the therapy for that or the, the treatment for that, but... Yeah, it's like what is he? What, what what's his option? You know, and and if anyone is like has any other kind of you know, there's a, a lot of these kind of underlying conditions with players you don't really hear about until they have to go on the DL, um, and a lot of it I think is kind of kept kind of secret in terms of like if a player has like you know, like I don't know any players that have asthma, but I'm sure there are players that have asthma. You know oh, what I mean? Right. You know, you're exactly right. Yeah, because. It, it, it's so common that it's easily taken care of and it's easily kind of hidden too from uh, the general public. So yeah, if, if you were to tell me, you know, 20% of a, of a roster has some kind of asthma, then I would totally believe it. It just seems like it's always right. around, you know? Right, right. Yeah. You, you, yeah. That's, that's the thing. Um, so, you know, it's going to be very tricky. Um, I think that, um, MLB is going to have to be really kind of tight with the protocol, with with the health protocols. Um, I think 
even if a player does come down with it or say four like three players come down with it on a team and they just go onto this um this IL that's designated for for covid um uh covid patients or or covid uh people that players that have contracted covid yeah yeah i think they'll just be able to kind of follow the protocol isolate them test the team um check their temperature you know all these things i mean if if KBO can do it, um, and I think the Japanese league um, is is coming back shortly as well. I might be mistaken, but I no, think I they think are. you're right. Yeah, yeah. If they're able to come back and do it, you know, and just have empty empty stadiums, there's no reason why MLB couldn't do it. Obviously, the scale of KBO is a lot smaller. I think there's only ten teams, and MLB obviously has has you know <laughs> like triple that. Right. But, yeah. Um, so it's going to be interesting, but I think I, I have, I have, I don't know. It's weird to say that I have faith in MLB right now, but I, I, I have faith <laughs> that they will be able to keep to the, the health guidelines just because everything depends on it. And if the, and if, and if something happens where they're like, they lose control of like the protocol or something like catastrophic happens, it's just like another nail in the coffin for, right. for MLB. It's just, it, it'll be really tough. You know, a big part, not a big part, but a, a kind of a subplot to everything that was going on during negotiations where um, certain agents would, you know, again, Twitter is kind of a great thing and a bad thing at the same time, but would would put stuff out and, and, and you know, um, and you, uh, Trevor Bauer was, is, is a great example. He did not like that some of the agents were chiming in or, or kind of being in other players' ears about what to say about this whole negotiations. How do you feel about agents kind of, you know, being in the middle of uh, everything that was going on with the players and the owners. Yeah, I, I think that's bad. Um, I know that it was like rumored that like Scott Boris got involved, but then he's like quoted as saying that like he didn't, he wasn't involved in these direct negotiations. Like he hasn't been involved in the negotiations at all. Yeah, the agents should not be involved in in any of the negotiations going on between um mlb owners and uh, mlb the owners and um and the players i just think that's super uh super fishy um doesn't seem right um because the agents also have i mean to be fair the agents kind of work for the players to kind of get them the money that they see fit that they deserve but at the same time um I feel like it's kind of unnecessary for them to get involved. Well, my, my whole thing, uh, we talked about this a couple episodes ago. I, I, I personally, I don't see a big issue with it just in the fact that you're, like you said, they work for the players. Yeah, granted, it's because they want to get paid, but at least they, right. you know, they're on their side with it. And, and when you go into a contract, you know, uh, situation and negotiation with the, with the owner, GM, you know, who's there doing the negotiation? It's, it's the agent. It's not the player. Right. You right. know, and, and, and if you're going to trust that guy to handle that big part of your career, as far as your contract, you get four or five or six years or whatever. I don't see why it's, it's a bad thing. Now, do I think they should get the final say? No. But do I think it's a bad thing if players go to these guys that they trust and ask for an opinion? I don't think there's something anything wrong with that at all. Because let's be honest, like... I'm not saying every MLB player is like this, but, you know, there's probably a handful in there that probably don't really care about the situation and rather have, hey, can you read up on what the heck's going on and kind of give me the, you know, the abbreviated version yeah. for just so I know what's going on? Like, I have no problem with agents, you know, again, not having the final say, not being, you know, in the room negotiating with, like I said, like uh, with Manfred and Clark. But, hey, if 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 I don't know exactly what's going on or I want an opinion, this guy's had my back for the last, you know, 
six, seven years of my career, and I feel totally comfortable with him. He's never done anything bad to, you know, screw me over or still stolen money from me or anything like that. Like, I just don't see the issue with going to a guy that's already in a huge part of your professional career and just kind of like asking for advice or what their opinion is of, of the whole situation. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, 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 I would agree with that. I just get kind of... Um... I get kind of skeptical when they, if they were kind of in the negotiations, kind of uh, dictating kind of uh, with their opinions with, with Manfred and Tony Clark, I think that is kind of a boundary to overstep. But yeah, I agree. I mean, a lot of these players, they do kind of need to lean on somebody to kind of help guide them in terms of like what they deserve and what they should be getting paid. Um, and also it seems like every team has like, um, like three or four different players that are like, that have their like hand in like the union right. or like mm-hmm. have, they're like the union representatives or I'm not sure what you would call them, but like, yeah, I think the union representatives um, are, are, is the right term. Yeah. Cause I know like the Cardinals have like, I think like Paul Goldschmidt and like another player kind of the, the, the players for that. So um yeah I, I think that a combination of, of of leaning on the players in your organization that are um in their kind of negotiating and then also leaning on your your agent yeah that, that's not that's not so bad um yeah but i just worry about um kind of meddling with negotiations or um you know trying to get their i don't know trying to get something out of it um i worry about that so as a fan, obviously you're a baseball fan, you know, pretty much your whole life. How has this whole situation, the the arguing back and forth through social media, through the media, um, not being able to come to an agreement, how has that affected your fandom? Are you the type, because I hear it all over the place where, you know, the baseball's lost me, you know, I don't, I can't sit here and, and go to a game when they're just going to do this to me, blah, blah, blah. How does it, how does, does it affect you as a fan? Um, yeah, that's, that's a great question. I think, um, you know, it's definitely hard to see, um, the sport kind of go through these times. Um, it's, it's very difficult to watch as a fan. You know, I remember, so I'm 34, going to be 35 later this year, but, um, and I've been going to games since I was like six or seven. So, and I, I vaguely remember the 1994 strike. I was like probably eight or nine. Um, but I remember, I remember more the 1995 season that followed where it was like a shortened season. Um, and you know, that season was, I think only like 130 games, maybe I think they cut like 30 games off for that. But, um, and Emma and baseball kind of had a hard time recovering from that strike, um, in 1994, uh, you know, all the way up until, 1998 where a lot of people think that the Maguire Sosa home run um you know home run record chase or whatever kind of helped bring baseball back into the into the spotlight but I think baseball is in a worse position now than it was back in 1994 I think things are more dire um I think interest in the game is obviously I think probably less than it was even in like 1998 with the whole Maguire Sosa thing because like I can't think of a time where MLB in the last like 10 years has like held the national conversation, the national sports conversation for like longer than like, you know, three, four days or, you know, whether it's something related to like the steroid scandal. Yeah. I was about to say it was probably, it was probably Maguire Sosa and uh, Palmero uh, in DC after the home run, after the home run season. So yeah, that's probably the last time where it was uh, front page news, like a national spotlight. And it's just like the game is trying so hard to like be relevant now. 
and it had a huge opportunity to be the only sport going um and it's just kind of it's just kind of whiffing on that um it's just a really really dark time as a fan i mean obviously i mean, I don't feel like personally assaulted by baseball and in in, in in any way in terms of like man they've totally ruined my life or something like that but it's just it's just disappointing um it's just it's just kind of sad honestly um i think the sport needs a, a huge um like basically restart like on the old like video game consoles like genesis and like snes you literally just like <laughs> hit the re hit like the restart button to, like, yeah. start, start playing, all over like, like yeah um and just like literally just like a complete restart um you know i don't think that the the product needs all that many changes but you know i think the the thing that i am excited about um the, the kind of silver lining in this is that i'm really excited to see how a 60 game season uh plays out and what we can kind of learn or what the, you know the owners the, the you know the commissioner the players association what they can learn from like a 60 game season in terms of like um changing the rules i think this right. is going to be like one of those seasons in mlb history where like we look back hopefully if, if baseball is doing the right thing i think in 20 years we'll look back at 2020 and be like man that's when like all these really good changes came the universal dh um you know et cetera, et cetera. that really kind of um injected life back into the game but if we're looking back in like 20 years and being like oh yeah remember that 2020 season where it was 60 games yeah like oh yeah it was just you know it was just 60 <laughs> games that's kind of an anomaly but like we're still playing the same game and this, the same things are still happening and we still don't have any any attention or any kind of um injection of like youth interest in the game then yeah it's it's going to be really bad but i think 2020 is like the like pivot point for the sport in terms of like changing uh, its its perception of itself, um, changing how it's you know uh, getting younger um, younger people more interested in it, and just kind of um, trying to kind of reinject interest in it because it's 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 a sport that like it's not at like the hockey level yet where like hockey interest in like the U.S. is like really low. Right. Um, you know I I can't think of too many. I mean, down in LA, there's like a bunch of Kings fans, but like I honestly, like nationwide, I can't think of like a big interest in hockey. Um, but it's like it's baseball's not at like the hockey stage yet, but it's like it's really teetering. Like it's not it's not even close to like the NBA and like NFL levels, um, you know, for 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 a variety of reasons. But um, yeah, hopefully 2020. Hopefully we look back in 20 years and say, wow, 2020 was like the turning point to like getting the game to be different and more exciting and more palatable to like younger people yeah so i you know those, those rules changes i, I want to talk about because a lot of them just came out within the last you know day or so but before we get to that uh we're gonna take a quick break for our sponsors um so we'll be right back after this What's up? Johnny Catfish here, ambassador for Groom Goon Beard and Body Care. Are you tired of your beard feeling rough and not so fresh? Do yourself a favor and do what I did and check out www.groomgoon.com. 
Groomed Goon carries a variety of beard oils and beard and body soaps that will leave your beard feeling soft and smelling great all day long. Don't just take my word for it. Go check it out for yourself. Again, that's www.groomgoon.com. And at checkout, use discount code CATFISHTHEGOON, all one word, CATFISHTHEGOON, and receive 15% off your purchase. Why choose Groom Goon? Well, because your beard deserves it. Listen to my show, The Punk Corner, on KJ Epic Radio, every Thursday from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. And we are back again. I want to thank our sponsors. And one other sponsor we, we I will have to I have to shout out is our title sponsor that is BetOnline.ag with UFC, boxing, NASCAR, and international soccer all resuming place uh, soon or even actually right now too, uh, including MLB basketball uh nhl those are all coming back soon definitely check out bet online visit betonline.ag on your computer or mobile device mobile device and join now to receive your welcome bonus that's betonline.ag your online wagering expert so as far as bet online has put out a under over of the angels not just the angels but all the teams in major league baseball and they had the angels at 31 and a half wins so michael what Right now, as it stands right now, do you think they're going to be more than 31 or less than 31 wins on a 60-game season? Um, You know, I, that's funny. I see them, like, right at that, like, 31-win point. Uh, honestly, like, if they go, like, um, you know, like 31 and 29, that wouldn't surprise me. If they go 29 and 31, that wouldn't surprise me. Um, I was looking at um, – I don't remember which uh, – it was – uh, somebody tweeted the other day. I don't remember who it was now, but they were basically um, outlining the first 60 games of um, every Angel season since Mike Trout has been an Angel, basically. And like a lot of the 60 game starts were like, the, I think the most th- they were over 500 was like by four games. I think it was like the 2014 season, the last year that they won the the AL West. Uh, I think that after 60 games they were like 32 and 28 or something like that. Uh, and a, a lot of the other kind of um, first 60 games of the season, they were kind of hovering around 500, which, you know, has been has been the story with the Angels the last decade, you know, pretty much. It's like they've just been um, – they haven't been bad, but they haven't been good. They've right. just been kind of hovering around that kind of 500 mark uh, or just below um, for the, literally the, 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 you know – the the extent of Mike Trout's career as an angel apart from that 2014 season but um yeah I I see them around that 500 mark I think um it's so tough you know a 60 game season a lot of teams can get off to a bad 60 game start um a lot of teams this is going to be a very interesting season I think a lot of teams are going to like um a lot of teams we predicted to like you know, make the playoffs in 162 game season. There's going to be a couple upsets, right? Um, you know, just because just because of what I was saying in terms of a lot of teams can get off to a bad 60 game stretch. But with the Angels, you know, obviously they um, they brought in some kind of league average guys in terms of the rotation with Tehran and Bundy. You know, we'll see what they can do. Um, you know, you got to think that with a guy like Dylan Bundy that um, Epler can kind of strike gold with one of these kind of like reclamation projects. Whether it's like, like he's due, yeah. Yeah, he's got to be due, man. I mean, oh, my God. 
like literally, uh, you know, Matt Harvey, Trevor Cahill, um, even going pre Epler, um, with like Tommy Hunter and like the 2013 mm-hmm. season and like Joe Blanton and like yeah, this decade, the, the last, the last <laughs> decade was like really hit or miss with a lot of these kind of like one year, um, signings. So, you know, hopefully, you know, they kind of strike some sort of goal with, with Bundy and, um, Otani, you know, in the starting rotation, um, I think will be, will be a huge factor. Um, you know, I'd even like to see him, you know, if the angels are within striking distance towards the end of the 60 game season, having him, him come in and, you know, um, try to get like the most crucial six outs, like whether it's in the seventh inning or eighth inning or whatever it may be, just have him kind of ready to go. But, uh, that might be tough considering he's coming off Tommy John and they might want to kind of limit limit his innings. But then again, like what is limiting yeah. a pitcher's innings in a 60-game season? Everyone's going you know, to be limited, yeah. Season, yeah, it's like, you know, what what is going to be the leash um, with Otani? What is going to be the leash with, with Griffin Canning in terms of how – how far they're going to be able to push these guys that have um, kind of are either recovering from surgery or with canning um, kind of on the fence in terms of if, if his arm will hold up. Um, So. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a great point too. the canning and and Otani where beginning of the normal year, they wouldn't be ready. And now it definitely looks like they're going to be ready, you know, for, you know, for how much we don't know, but definitely looks like they're going to be ready to make some kind of contribution um, for the angels during this abbreviated season. So the scheduling, it hasn't come out as far as when these guys are playing the other teams, but as far as the, the teams they playing has come out. And so you are playing your inner division. So obviously the Astros athletics, uh, Seattle and, and the Rangers, you're playing them 10 times a year, but then you're also playing the AL West or NL West. Sorry for the remaining uh, games of the year. Um, how do you like them doing it that way, where it's like West versus West, you're going to get some of those natural rivalries, obviously with the Dodgers, but also with uh, the Padres and, and even the guys up north like the Giants? Yeah, I mean, I like it from just a baseball fan perspective, just a fan of the game. I like that, um, you know, there's going to be these kind of um, divisional matchups across both leagues. Um, I definitely like the idea of the Braves playing the Yankees and, you know, the Phillies playing, um, you know, like the Blue Jays or the Phillies playing the Red Sox or something like that. Like that stuff like really gets me excited. For the Angels in the the AL West um, and and, and facing teams in the NL West, it's going to be... It's going to be interesting. Um, you know, a lot of the teams that were kind of that drafted kind of high up uh, in this previous draft, um, you know, you had the Padres with a high draft pick. You had the Mariners with a high draft pick. Um, you know, the, the Rockies, I think, had a high draft pick. So there's these teams that, like, the Angels could perceivably, like, do pretty well against. Um, but then again, you know, the Padres are due for a good season, you know, with Tatis and Machado. Um, you know, the Rockies, I think, are a team that you could probably take advantage of. Their pitching is, is, is has been what it's been for, you know, the entirety of the, the Rockies for, as being a franchise. You know, they're never going to have good pitching. But, um, <laughs> you know, there's, so there's, there's, there's opportunities for the Angels to capitalize. You know, obviously in their own division, you know, you're, you're going to capitalize on the Mariners. But... You know that's that's easier said than done. You know a lot of the a lot of the times with the Angels, it's like 
you know, they'll play well against like a good team, but then and this is just baseball as a whole, you know, but then like you'll look at the record at the end of the season against like teams that were under 500 and it's like they had a losing record against teams that were under 500 or something, you know, it's just like, it's just the way that baseball gets played out. You know, you can go ahead and make these predictions that, okay, the Angels are going to play the, the Mariners 10 times. Let's say they go eight and two, you know, they're going to play the Rangers, you know, 10 times. Let's say the, that they go, you know, six and four. But it's like, you know, you got to play the games. These things are very, um, you know, out of our control. But, um, yeah, I I think that um, I do like the Angels against teams like the Giants, against teams like the Mariners, against teams like um, the Rockies. But I worry about them against teams like the D-backs. The D-backs are always pesky, always, like, super scrappy. I don't know how they continue to, like, recycle, like, decent rosters every year because they they tend to trade (laughs) – they tend to trade players and then draft really well, and then they always have people coming up. Um, and then, yeah, obviously I worry about the Athletics, the Astros, and the Dodgers. You know, I'm not looking forward to having the Angels play the Dodgers. Um, but then again, They swept honest, them last year with 4-0, four, four yeah, so I, there's I, just something different that, about that. I, I think, yeah. you know, it's such, it's such a cliche, but you got to throw out all the record books when these two get, you know, get to playing and stuff right. like that. I think that's true with these guys. Um but, you know, the one thing I am interested to see about that kind of quote-unquote rivalry, what made it special to a lot of these players, because a lot of these players didn't grow you know, up in L.A., and, and that's like the rivalry they grew up with. But what made it special, you heard a lot after the games, is like the crowd. The crowd was in it for every single pitch, every single, you know, con- uh, at bat. The, the crowd made it what it was. Now that the, there is going to be no crowd, I'm interested to see how the players react to what should be a huge rivalry between the Angels and Dodgers, but it's not going to have that rivalry feel because if the fans aren't going to be there, it's not going to be sold out. It's not going to be, you know, crazy from the first pitch to the last out. So I'm interested to see how much of the, you know, if there's a lack of adrenaline, if, you know, and stuff like that for the players. So that's going to be really interesting, that, interesting for me to see as the year yeah. kind of plays out. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, especially with those Angels-Dodgers games, you know, those are like some of – I mean, I haven't been to one of those at Angel Stadium in a while, but I remember back in the day, it was like the only time I ever see like police on horses at Angel Stadium is <laughs> it's like, when, it's like when, the, when the Dodgers are in town and uh, a couple times when the Yankees were in town. But like, yeah, generally it's like whenever the Dodgers are there, it's like their fans come out in like droves. Um, and then, you know, in addition to when you go to Dodger Stadium – um, when the Angels are visiting Dodger Stadium, uh, you know, you get a lot of Angels fans there, too, kind of like trying to out-chant each other or out-scream each other. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting. Um, I think the players, though, are like so locked in at this point that, um, you know, not having the, the, the fans is, is, you know, it'll have some sort of impact. But I think the games are going to play out as they would have played out with or without the fans. Uh, I just think the fans is just kind of an added thing for them, you know. Um, yeah, like I said, it's going to be really interesting to see. It could all just be for nothing. It could be a huge part, but it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. So another rule, or just a roster size, so I guess that roster uh, rule, um, you are going to have a, uh, what's the term, uh, the taxi squad. So you're looking at 60 total guys for a quote-unquote player pool. They're starting out the season with 30 guys on the active roster, and then as the week's progress they're going to drop little by little to where eventually by the end of the first month they're going to be down to the 26 man um 
roster. And you kind of right. mentioned it before about the COVID IL and how that's not going to have a designated time. Like if it takes them three weeks, that's fine. If it takes them, you know, two weeks, that's fine too. Um, but with these extended rosters, does it concern you that depth is going to play a big part in this season because of uh, how quick the season is going to be? Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that having the taxi squad will be super helpful. Um, I'm not sure how, you know, I'm kind of waiting to see how this actually plays out kind of in real life, kind of like how the teams are going to be using the taxi squad, um, before I kind of like make like a final judgment on it. But it sounds like, um, you know, there's going to be a lot of players, obviously from the minor leagues that aren't really going to have, um, there's no minor league season. So there's going to be a lot of these like prospect guys that are going to be coming up on a lot of different teams that are going to probably be part of the taxi squad. Um, I'm not sure too. I think they were talking about also having kind of like um, squads playing like outside of like uh, at like another location where like the taxi players would like play at another location or something like that. Yeah, the taxi or, squad. The taxi squad wouldn't be with the team. So pretty much, you're you're. Um, so at the beginning of the season, there's a 30 man roster. We're talking about those guys would go with the team. Obviously, travel. Um, the only thing is right. that when they do hit the road. They can bring up to three taxi players with them, and one of them has to be a catcher. Um, but the taxi squad, as, as I understand it now, and again, like you said, I'm sure more and more will come out as, the, as we get close to uh, spring training 2.0 on July 1st. Um, but as far as I know, the taxi squad is going to be in a separate location. That's why there was a rumor going around. And again, this is not verified. This is just kind of rumors right now that each team was asked to find a um, secondary field, a secondary stadium for the taxi squad to practice and get work in that's at least 100 miles away from the home stadium so again that's right. just something that was kind of floating around there i don't know how true that is but i have a feeling we'll find out if that is true or not with probably within the next week or so but that's what my understanding of it is the taxi squad isn't going to be with the team you know at all until the guys need to be called up or like i said when they go on the road they could bring up three guys that kind of kind of hover around with them if needed while they're at um whatever you know ballpark they're at on the road yeah, so it's basically like since since teams aren't going to be able to call any guys up from the minors this year, uh, it's basically kind of the traveling, <laughs> the yeah. traveling kind of like unit that would generally be like the guys you would call up from the minors right. um, that would that that would compose of the the taxi squad. Yeah, I mean it's it's going to be interesting. I think there's going to be a lot of guys that are going to come up and get their first kind of. Uh, I think a lot of the teams that are kind of um, kind of really in kind of rebuild mode are going to probably just bring up. Uh, or at least include some of their top prospects on the taxi squad just to kind of, um, you know, have them available right. and, and just kind of see what they what they have. Um, you know, the, obviously a team like the Tigers, um, you know, who have been drafting in the in the top um, half of the draft for a little while, they have a kind of slowly building up their accumulation of prospects, and they know that in 2020 they're not going anywhere, and it's a 60 game season, so. The, you know, they might be of the opinion that it's time to kind of bring some of these guys up or at least put them on the taxi squad and give them give them some work um, and, and, and see what happens. So and, and in terms of the Angels, it would be awesome to see kind of what they what they intend to do with Joe Adele at this point, who's obviously one of the top top three or four prospects in the game um, and, 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 you know, whether he becomes a taxi uh, a part of the taxi squad 
or you know maybe we see him towards I, I don't know I don't know how that's going to shake out um, but it'll it'll be interesting to see because heading into the season when we were under the uh, under the um, expectation that it was going to be 162 game season you know a lot of Angels fans were expecting that we'd see Joe Adele you know probably by the middle of July or middle of June or something like that but um, you know now with this shortened season it'll be interesting to see how they end up utilizing him uh and and brian goodwin yeah no i i I definitely agree with that it's gonna be really interesting to see how they get those taxi guys who's gonna be on taxi squad because last i heard the taxi squad guys even if they do end up making an appearance at some point during the season i don't think and i could be wrong maybe maybe if they did their clock will start if they make an appearance but if they are on a taxi squad all year long but don't get any playing time they will not be there that they won't have any uh it won't the clock won't start on their uh, on their time, so that's gonna be really interesting. Do you put a guy like Joe on the on the taxi squad to begin with, and say like, hey, if we're lucky enough and we don't suffer a huge injury with Goodwin or, or Upton or you know Hermosillo, I'm guessing all the guys on the 40 man roster are automatically going to be kind of in that initial 30 man um, yeah. uh, roster. Um, so Hermosillo can be a guy that you'll probably see out there in the outfield to be an extra outfielder. You know, if none of those guys get seriously injured, I wonder if you see Joe at all, just or he just stays on the taxi squad on standby because now you don't have to worry about his clock starting for his uh, service time. So that's definitely uh, something interesting to see. Uh, another rule that, you know, there's so many rules. There's a couple we can get to, and then, and then we'll, we'll end this quick. But um, we kind of joked about this texting back and forth. The no spitting, uh, high five, that whole rule – um, and right. now it even comes out that, you know, obviously they can't be licking the fingers when they're on the mound, but they will have a wet rag where they can obviously, you know, grab it or whatever, use it to uh, get their hands uh, wet enough to get a better grip on the ball, I guess. How do you feel about all this stuff that's like kind of super detailed? Like you understand why they're doing it because of the whole COVID situation, but it just kind of seems at times like kind of like overboard. Yeah, I mean, they, I think they have to do it just to cover themselves, you know, because then if they don't do that, they'll say people will come out on Twitter or people will come out, you know, and say like, oh, like, you know, you should have been spitting, you know, because now 10 guys have have it or you should have done this, should have done that. So I think they just kind of have to k- cover all bases with that. Um, but yeah, it's it's funny because it's it's some of this stuff like pitchers licking their fingers. It's like such like um so it's like second nature for them, you know. Right. It's like I remember when I remember when COVID kind of first um, became a thing, and a lot of the health experts were telling people like not to touch their face, and like um, you know, and you know, a lot of people don't realize like you you touch your face like fifty times within like half an hour you know time period. So it's just like you know, and it's just like something that like you don't even notice you're doing, but you just end up doing it. So a lot of that stuff in baseball, whether it's like. Yeah, spitting or um, you know, licking a pitcher licking his fingers to get a better grip or something like that. It's like they're really gonna have to like train their brain to like not do that. And I think it's gonna take, <clears throat> excuse me, it's gonna take a couple a couple times before um, players get used to it and, and pitchers get used to it. Um, but yeah, the other thing too is that I guess you can't leave your position to go and argue with an right. umpire or, or you like have get to be within, like yeah, six feet. Automatic, yeah, yeah. automatic ejection, and then uh, and then subject to fine and suspension. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's crazy. So, you know, I know a lot of like um, a lot of uh, managers and, and and kind of uh, a lot of manager and kind of umpire interactions have kind of cooled off over the last five six years just right. because of instant replay. A lot of a lot of managers don't really have 
much to kind of argue about other than like balls and strikes anymore, but it still happens. You still get the odd skirmish between the umpire and, the, and a player or the umpire and the manager. So it's going to be interesting to see like how they enforce that. And, you know, umpires like they get super hot and super like, um, you know, if, if, if they feel like they're being tested or feel like, um, you know, someone's kind of, uh, you know, they, a lot of, you know, they have different temperaments. Some of them are quick to eject. Um, some of them are not so quick to eject a player or, or a coach. But it'll be interesting to see how short of a fuse they have with players and coaches, given the um, given the new kind of guidelines for COVID. You right. know, are they going to be like super quick to like pull the trigger and be like, "You're out of here!" Like, like the the coach is like coming out of the dugout and like, "All right, you're out of here!" Like, you can't approach me or like. I think it's going to be, honestly, I think it's going to be a mess. I think that <laughs> aspect of it, that aspect of it, it's going to be a mess. I think there's going to be a lot of backlash against umpires, you know, saying like, oh, you know, he pulled the trigger too fast or he did this or that or like, what is this ump doing? Um, you know, and it, I feel bad because the umps always get the short end of the stick. They always get, get a lot of criticism. But um, yeah, I think, I think that's going to be, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be, it's going to make for a, for a pretty crazy season. Yeah. And I, I, I mentioned to see too, just like umpires have a, every umpire has its own strike zone. So I wonder if each umpire is going to have its own idea of a, a six feet. So, you know, Maybe yeah. Joe West is six feet. It's, it's shorter than, you know, Angel Hernandez is six feet. And now you're getting tossed even quicker now. So it's going to be something that it's going to be real interesting to see throughout the year. And, and when you have those guidelines, because when you're heated and you're in that moment, like I'm just so yeah. interested to see if they if that's going to compute like, oh, I'm going to go out there. Oh, wait, I, I can't. You know, like, are they going to be able to catch themselves? Or are they going to be so caught up in these games that are? that are going to mean so much more because of the number of games um, if they're going to be able to cash themselves and be like, okay, yeah, I can't go out there. I have to sit here or whatever. So another thing that's going to be really interesting to see. So the last rule I want to talk to you about and see how you like it is the extra inning rule. Um, starting in the extra innings, teams will have a base runner on second base um, to start the inning, you know, obviously starting in the in the 10th. Uh, when you saw this rule, what did you think of it? Yeah, so initially, um, you know, as a base, you know, I don't really like this rule just just straight up, um, but I think I'm fine with it because it's kind of a necessity of a 60-game season. Um, You know, it's kind of like they're playing 60 games within, I don't remember how many days it it is now, but it's like 60 games. Yeah, 60 games within 66 days. So, like, literally the teams can't afford to – go into like a 17 inning game or a 15 inning game kill them so it would just kill them so um i'm fine with it just because it's kind of born out of necessity they kind of have to do it they can't continue to have you know six hour games that are 14 innings long or 15 innings long it's just it's just too much in in that in that short of of a time span um I just, I, I, yeah, I, but as like what the rule is itself, like I'm not, not a big fan, but, um, I, I'll kind of put up with it for this season just because it's kind of a necessity. I mean, I, yeah. And, and to be honest, like sometimes I think that like maybe I'm holding on to something when I think about like a 15 inning game, it's like, do I really enjoy 15, 15 <laughs> inning games or would I like, or would I really just prefer it to be like, a t- you know, 10, 10 or 11, 11 yeah. max? Yeah. I mean, once it gets into, like, 16 innings, it's just, like, I want to fall asleep, like, you know. And it just becomes, like, uh, super – because, you know, when you get into that point of the game sometimes, too, it's, like, both teams are, like, nothing's happening. 
Like, the pitchers are getting into a groove. Like, this is just literally, like, the start of another game. Players are getting tired. Nothing's happening. Like, there hasn't been a ball past the infield in, like, six and, like, four (laughs) innings. So, like, you know, what are we we even doing here? But, so, you know, yeah, I'm I'm for it for this this purpose. But um, I think if they were to say, like, in future seasons where, like, we have 162 games again where it's like, okay, start of the 11th inning, runner's going to be on second base, fine. The yeah. tenth inning is a little too soon right. for me, no, but if, right. if we're talking like if we're t- if we're talking like eleventh inning, twelfth inning, we're gonna put someone on second base. Fine, Let, let's do it. No, and I, and I and that's my that was I was gonna say too. Like I've seen it; they've been doing it the last couple of years in minor league baseball, and it, it got to a point not to a point, but the first time I r- remember they were doing it is we're at a sixty sixer game, and you know they start the inning. Like I said, they start the inning with a guy on second. And uh, I, I don't even see I don't even see him jog out to the second base. Next thing I know, you know, a guy just hits a you know a nice shot into you know the outfield, and all of a sudden I see the 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 scoreboard go you know a score go up. And I'm like, what just happened? He got a single. I'm like, <laughs> oh yeah, there's a guy on second. You didn't see him. I'm like, I just I was not used. To it. I just yeah. never never saw that. But you know, it is yep. something they have been messing with in the minor leagues. It has been something that's been in the World Baseball Classic. So it is it isn't something that just kind of get pulled out of nowhere. But I, I agree with you completely. This year. Right. Yes, starting the 10th inning, save these guys' arms. But in the future, if they are serious about bringing it into Major League Baseball, it needs to be, you know, in the 13th inning where you can try to avoid the the 18-inning the marathon. Like, if it goes 11 innings, let it play out like normal. Let the 12th inning play out. But once the 13th starts, I think that's when you really got to start thinking about the guys' arms and, and the teams that are going to be out there. By that point... I mean, you're looking at probably over four hours of baseball, and you probably want to get those guys yeah. off the field, as, you know, at that point as quick as possible. And I really think that's something that could possibly be in Major League Baseball's future. I know a lot of people don't like it, and, and it's something new. But you know, when you look at it, and I'm the same way with you. Like at a certain point in the season, you're like, you know what? I'm willing to drop this one game as a fan, just so I know my bullpen isn't completely tore up for the next five games. You know what I mean? So it's right, like you right. live to fight another day kind of. So I think that's a real interesting uh, rule that's, you know, we'll see if it has an extended shelf life even further than this year, but um, it's going to be fun to see. So, Michael, again, I want to thank you so much for jumping on the podcast with me and and talking about all the news that just kind of broke within the last 24, 48 hours. So uh, go ahead and tell the people where they can reach you, where they can see your pod, where they can hear your podcast and all that information. Yeah, so you can listen to Big League Chewing uh, anywhere you listen to podcasts, whether that's Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, wherever uh, you choose to listen to podcasts. Uh, You can find me on Twitter at ChewingCast, or you can find me on Instagram at Big League Chewing. Uh, I've been kind of slacking over the last month or so in terms of like rolling out regular (laughs) episodes, but now that we have kind of a firm firm season uh, in place, I'll definitely be getting back to kind of uh, weekly episodes here. So, uh, yeah. Thanks yeah, for having I, me on, man. I, I appreciate it. Yeah, I definitely know the struggle uh, with not a whole lot to talk about. I definitely <laughs> know the struggle. So as far as a guy that puts this stuff together, I'm really looking forward to the season starting and having more stuff to talk about. But again, uh, thank you, Michael. Yeah. Definitely check out the podcast. I've been on there a couple of times. I always have a great time on there, and it's always a fun uh, time talking baseball with anybody, especially uh, the uh, Michael from the Big League, Big League Chewing Podcast. So I am Daniel Garcia. We will be back next week for another edition of the All Angels Podcast. Thank you for listening. I'm out.
There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and JJ discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine.